Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake. I'm joined with my younger brother Carson as we get into the Week Eight matchup preview. How you doing today, Carson? I'm doing very well. I'm excited for this. I feel like we're getting pretty good at making these notes and just getting better at you know running this podcast. So I'm looking forward to what we have to bring for this week. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, who are we missing for this week with buys? Uh, luckily, not as many people. If you survived the week seven buys, good job. I managed to not have a horrible week, even though my entire bench was on buy. But what's relieving is that this week, only two teams are on buy rather than six, like last week. So for the Ravens, you're missing Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Hollywood Brown. I'd say those are the ones that are like in most people's lineups that are worth starting. And for the Raiders... Derek Carr sort of proven his value a bit, but I think people are going to be more focused on, well, Josh Jacobs got injured, so he wouldn't be a factor this week anyways, but now he's on bye. And, um, I mean, you got Henry Ruggs, Renfro, and Waller, who also did not play, but, I mean, that's that's really the main people, I would say. What are you thinking? Anything to add? No, I agree with that. Um, yeah, those are the players that are missing. It's two big tight end names this week. Oh, yes. Um, but let's move on to the very first matchup of the week. Packers against the undefeated Cardinals. Oh, who, yes. who you got in this game? I feel like I feel like this is a game that the Cardinals could lose, but they are looking very good. So like I have no reason to think they'll lose this one, but this is a tough matchup for them. At least it's in Arizona. Um, so that helps. But you know, the Packers are a good team, and they're difficult to play against. Their only loss this season was that week one, like, fluky. I would say fluky. It just didn't seem... <laughs> it doesn't seem to represent how they've done the rest of the season. And, like, the Saints haven't been that dominant, so that was just a good start for them. So, I mean, the pa this Packers team could very easily also be undefeated going into this game. Yeah, if you watched, if you watched the Saints play Monday night... Yeah. Uh, they didn't do anything that really impressed you. I mean, it was a low-scoring game, but they also weren't doing a lot of scoring themselves. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about this matchup? Well, I think that considering the Packers just came off of Washington's, like, Charmin ultra-soft defense, <laughs> I think that it's going to be a big challenge to, get, to move on to Arizona at their home stadium and, and beat them when they have so much momentum. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are only moving off the Texans, so they're kind of in a similar situation there, but I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, but I agree with you. This definitely could be a game that they lose, um, the Cardinals, that is. Yes. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, really good game. I mean, he looked like the Aaron Rodgers that you drafted uh, back in September. Yes. Um, I mean, it's it looks like he had an extremely efficient day with that stat line, which is good to see because that's kind of what Rodgers is all about. I mean, he's like... I mean, I'm not going to say, <laughs> I mean, he, he's in, I'm, Brady's on his own level, so I'm not going to make a comparison, but I can compare it to him just as being an elite quarterback. Like, they can just be super productive and have great days even without a ton of passing yards. Um, yeah, and they're just got good completion percentages. I will say, though, and I'm sure you'll talk about it a bit later, and I'm sure you saw the updates, you got Devontae Adams. And now, Alan Lazard, as of like half an hour ago, as of recording this, are both on the COVID-19 list are, and are almost certainly 
not playing. I don't know if you know more about well, MVS, but I do. um Wait, Marquez? Yeah, because I know he might come back because he was on IR. Yeah, I don't have any news on that, but I do know considering that Adams was vaccinated, he has to test negative in consecutive days in order to play. Okay. Um, but Alan Lazard is unvaccinated, so he's guaranteed to miss this game. Uh, okay. He has to go through a 10-day quarantine. Well, Devontae Adams is based, so I'm glad that <laughs> a wide receiver one is doing the right thing. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, too, because, I mean, the Packers are going to need all the help they can get, with, with especially with how Aaron Jones has been playing, uh, just moving the ball. So we can move on to that. Yeah. Six carries for 19 yards and five catches for 20 yards. Like, what's going on with him? Yeah, that's super weird. I mean, I, it's so weird looking at the scoreline where they scored 24. So it's not like they didn't score much, but literally nine carries? between Jones and Dylan, like that is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it's good game, to in a game that they won easily. Yeah, it's I mean, I guess they just they didn't need them and that was the difference. Aaron Jones five receptions is good to see, but yeah, a, definitely a strange stat line. Yeah, agreed. I I just I don't know what to how to feel because he's, you know, his carries are trending in the wrong direction and he's just not doing what Aaron Jones typically does. Yeah, but I think what gives you a little bit more assurance is that it's not like A.J. Dillon had, like, 12 carries or something like that. That would be much more concerning. This just I think this is just more of a really strange game for that backfield. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a look at the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray, he's on a really good pace this season. Is there any chance that the Packers can slow him down? I don't really think so because <laughs> he's the most dangerous toddler. I loved that comparison. Just like he can, if he doesn't have any looks with all of the weapons he has, he can get it done with his legs. So I think it's hard to slow him down completely because he's just extremely versatile and being productive in both aspects of his game like he's a dual threat qb he truly is so i don't think they think they, they can like just like make him not have any value but um i mean they'll be tougher than the texans yeah i would think so too uh let's take a look at the running backs this week chase edmonds season high in carries 15 carries season low for receptions one catch how do you rank him moving forward? Uh, I honestly want to ask you the same question, and I'm sure you'll expand on my answer, but, like, he's a very strange fantasy player because he's been pr pretty consistent, but he's not a big-name player. He's not exciting. James Conner's stealing all the touchdowns from him, like we'll talk about in a second. So, I mean, I still think you feel safe starting him. Um... Because of where you drafted him, he's probably your running back three, maybe two if you went wide receiver heavy. So I think he's fine to start, but I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what you think about him. Yeah, I think that he's kind of he's kind of like a DeAndre Swift light. Um, mm -hmm. He has usage in the passing game typically, although this last game doesn't indicate that. But I think that he's still probably inside the top 25 at running back. I, I mean, there's a few people banged up here and there that kind of help him out. But I don't know. It's, it's, it was a weird stat line to see only one catch. Um, 
And then James Conner getting the rushing touchdown, I mean, that's no surprise. He's been doing that week after yeah. week, it seems. But, I mean, eh, 64 yards, and I don't think any catches. So he's pretty touchdown dependent in terms of flexes. Yeah, I will say, since Murray like only had 20 completions, that's not a ton. And I'll let you segue into Hopkins. He had seven catches, so it's, and so it's not like Chase had a lot to like a lot of slack to pick up on because you know they got plenty of pass catchers so that probably hurts chase edmonds uh ceiling a bit but uh yeah i guess you can go ahead and talk about the pass catchers yeah well it kind of goes back to what we said before that there's a lot of mouths to feed in this in this uh, passing offense and i think hopkins more often than not is going to get his but then it'll be kind of a toss-up of who is next in line typically yeah, that's definitely true i agree yeah, we saw Zach Ertz get a touchdown in his first game with them. Uh, but, I mean, five targets was tied with Christian Kirk, who, you know, also had a good game. It's just you, you don't really know week to week who you're going to start. If you're going to start him, you just got to hope that you get lucky that week. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move on to Panthers versus the Falcons. My goodness, the Panthers, <laughs> they got, they got schwacked. Yeah. I mean, seriously, to the Giants, no less. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Giants Sam- later. That's such a weird game for them to just get smacked in. Yeah, Sam Darnold, 111 passing yards, one interception, <laughs> no rushing attempts that game, so he didn't, he didn't scramble, didn't do anything with his legs. I, I think that it's probably his time is over in terms of being a starting option until he can get it, you know, figured out. Yeah, I would say I would agree. It's unfortunate because we started this pot recording this podcast like shortly after he, you know, kind of had a great stretch of the opening season to open the season. Um, so now we keep on saying, oh, he could bounce back, but now I think he literally needs to prove himself before you even roster him. I agree. Yeah, just unfortunate. And then along those same lines, Chuba Hubbard, he had a tough game. 12 carries for 28 yards and four catches for 28 yards. Just very few opportunities to deliver on people that are likely trying to replace McCaffrey as best they can. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then <laughs> and then DJ Moore, six catches for seventy three yards, his third straight game without a touchdown. Uh, he's he's declining, and I think it's in large part due to Sam Darnold's struggles. Oh yeah, I would completely agree with that. I don't think it's anything to do with DJ Moore, and it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if we have a spot that we're really going to talk about Deshaun Watson. That might be more of a discussion next week, but I know that Panthers, Eagles, and Dolphins. I mean, this. <sighs> DJ Moore, I feel like you're safe with him being a wide receiver one if Watson was to go there. But I feel like this is going to be a discussion more for next week if if it happens. Yeah, certainly that's interesting to speculate on. I, I do think that among those teams, the most likely to get a deal done is with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And that's a little surprising because I think they're kind of giving up on Tua a little prematurely. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, because Watson has a no-trade clause, it's – it's completely up to him where which deal he accepts, where he goes to, because he has to opt out of that to move. Uh, I see. 
Yeah, so something to watch uh, in the coming week. I think November 2nd is the trade deadline in the NFL, so we'll have word on that uh, when the time comes. Yes. All right, so let's look at the Falcons. Uh, I want to start. I'm going to hop over Patterson for a moment. I'm going to talk about Mike Davis right off the bat. Four carries for 10 (laughs) yards and no catches. Like, is he droppable? Uh, I think you gotta let him have another week with the, that kind of a stat line before you think about dropping him. But I do not trust his outlook for the rest of the season. But I would at least hold on to him for another week because I mean he's been consistent, like consistently low double digits. But I don't know. Patterson keeps on expanding his role, which is actually ridiculous. Um, and we'll talk about him in a second. But I mean, Mike Davis as drafted as like kind of the last like rb2 that you thought had workhorse potential and he's really (laughs) not living up to that no not at all and yeah we'll go ahead and move on to patterson i just wanted to get that out of the way because i you know one point in week seven is i mean it's like it's do or die time for some teams so yeah just something to consider but i agree hold out for one more game if you can and see if he you know recovers in any sense yeah uh but with Cordero patterson he's got consecutive weeks with 14 carries and his first rushing touchdown since week two um for 60 yards total i mean we keep we keep doubting him and keeps delivering and i think it's it's reassuring he's giving the stat line of a running back which is <laughs> honestly makes you feel safer about him because you know opening the season you were buying it because he was kind of just like a gadget player but now he's actually playing like his position and you know that he has that upside as a receiving back to, i mean his ceiling is just like it's as high as that i don't know what week it was the week he had three receiving touchdowns like that is his ceiling like he could do that again with how as far as a point total just because of the way this offense will always like prioritize them over almost anybody maybe not kyle pitts though unless you have something to say about patterson we can move on to pitts yeah let's move on to pitts i think i mean this is uh his second game with over 100 receiving yards and 20 plus fantasy points are you buying it? Because it was a str- it was a struggle to start the season. No, I don't buy it. I think Patterson. I mean, Ridley still exists, but Patterson's being valued the highest. So I was kind of joking about that segue. I think Pitts is a sell high candidate for sure. I mean, uh, you just he's getting extremely uh, big gains on just a few catches, and it's really skewing his receiving yard total in my eyes i mean seven seven receptions is great but i think in both of these games he's had just like a handful of deep receptions and i would sell high on him honestly like because i think ridley's role has to expand from what it was this week yeah i agree um ridley did get double digit targets again but he had a season low in receptions and yards, uh, four catches for 26 yards. He had a touchdown that kind of salvaged his day, but uh, I'd be interested. I know we have a lot to cover, but I'd be interested what you think you could get for Kyle Pitts. What would you take for Kyle Pitts, I suppose? I really have no idea. I would really just have to deal with your with your team specifically. I mean, but like, I think Pitts is a... a sell high and Ridley's a buy low and it's ridiculous because Patterson used to be the high the like the 
biggest sell high of the season. This offense is really weird as far as, like, you're just not buying the ones that are doing amazing, and Ridley, the only person you thought would be extremely reliable, you're not buying his lack of production. So, as far as a Pitts trade, I don't know. It really depends on your team and if your league has tight ends, but if I had them, I'd be looking to sell them. And not, like, pushing them on people, but if people were going after them, I would definitely entertain the trade. Yeah, understandable. Uh, and then I guess my last question is just, we haven't seen it yet, but can this offense support both these players, Pitts and Ridley? I think it can, because, I mean, you're seeing double-digit targets for Ridley, so expect his receptions to go up. And 26 yards is just, like, going to be an outlier for him. That. I can I guess it's just because Pitts is taking all the air yards with all these like deep plays where he has 163 receiving yards. I think he's going to regress and Ridley's going to meet him more in the middle um if not exceed him at some point. But I I feel like Pitts will be good for maybe the same amount of catches but maybe half of the receiving yards and Ridley could be good for double the catches and like triple the receiving yards. So right. Yeah, I think it will balance out to some degree. Yeah, better days are ahead for Ridley, surely. Yes, they have to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Titans versus the Colts. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I got his stat line here, 21 for 27, 270 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He's only got one game with more than one passing touchdown, and he could have had it this week, but Derrick Henry threw a touchdown. <laughs> Okay, that makes much more sense, the notes. I thought you made a mistake, but there you go. Yes, he threw a passing touchdown. Um, Tannehill, uh, I still trust him to some degree, not as a starter, but just as a fantasy player. Um, If he's your QB1, that's, that's tough because you probably drafted him late hoping that he would be as consistent as he was in the past but well, if yeah, he's how, your how can you how can you trust him when he's he hasn't thrown for more than one passing touchdown except once I know I just I just trust his past seasons I mean he, I don't know for the quarterbacks that are on the waiver wire I still trust Tannehill a lot more than a lot of them but he, again yeah he needs to start proving himself this season to be startable yeah, not it's not looking good. I, I don't know what to make of his uh, lack of production so far. It's weird. But, yeah, let's go ahead and briefly look at Derrick Henry. I mean, there's not much to say. Yeah. it's It was his second game on the season with under 100 rushing yards. Uh, he, he's... He's incredibly talented. He threw he threw as many touchdowns as Tannehill, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, no rushing touchdowns, but you can't expect him to be like the best running back every single week. Yeah, I mean it's just not sustainable. And we're talking about someone who's still at 86 yards this week. It's like you look at Henry and you see double-digit rushing yards, and you're like, oh, what happened to him? But that's just that's just how ridiculous, uh, how ridiculously high his bar is for production <laughs> exactly uh aj brown eight catches 133 yards and one touchdown now this is an aj brown stat line that we would have recognized last oh, year yes. but it's extremely foreign this year so is he back i i would i would say so i mean the fact that Tannehill only completed 21 passes and brown caught eight of them and like the rest of his stat lines are really good too I, i'm starting to buy it and 
I mean, I don't think you have to worry about Julio, like we'll talk about, <laughs> um, taking away any production from him. And if anything, Julio's good for this offense because st teams still need to worry about him, and it's just going to give Brown more room to to run. And I, I think that I, I think yeah. I do trust this. I think you know your sell. I think you're sorry. I think your buy low window for Brown um, has closed. Yeah, I would agree with that um, because he is looking more like himself lately. I was going to say that Julio Jones on this team is reminding me of what Calvin Ridley was able yeah. to do last year. Yeah, I mean, I would say worse, but you know, you're always he's in the shadow of Brown uh, at all times, and he sometimes. I mean, he hasn't. <laughs> he's he's been. He's been really having a hard time, but I do see the comparison. Well, yeah, the idea is that Julio Jones on the football field is someone that defenses have to respect and they have to, you know, divert attention to. Yeah. But it opens opportunity for that, that other pass catcher to, to just rack up points. And I think that for fantasy purposes, Julio Jones can't be in your starting lineup yeah. until he proves himself. Yeah, agreed. Completely agree. All right, and then let's look at the Colts. Not a lot to say here. Jonathan Taylor, season high in carries, 18 for 107 and a touchdown. Three catches for three yards. You know, that's 3.3 points. <laughs> uh, he's got at least one touchdown in four straight games. And I asked you this last week, is it time to sell high? I'll ask you again. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you're selling high. Like, I feel like he's proving himself as like a low-end RB1. I, I, I think that if you're needing a running back, I don't think he's going to get you someone that is going to be consistently better than him every single week because Taylor's become consistent. Yeah, I think I think it's also part of the fact he just doesn't have the name the name value that a lot Correct. of players have yeah. in his similar scoring area. But I agree. I think it's it's tough. I think you got to kind of hang on to him and hopefully ride this wave cuz he's doing really well lately. Mhm. Mm All right, let's talk about Michael Pittman Jr. Four catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Did he help you win your fantasy matchup this week? No, but he he <laughs> he did he what he yeah he did what he needed to do. I will say this is like a DK Metcalf stat line. I'm very yeah. happy that it brought me like 20 plus points. I don't love to see that he only had four targets. He caught them all though and was insanely efficient. Um, mm -hmm. But you know I am worried about Hilton's reemergence into this offense because the one week they played together in week six was not a good day for Pittman. So, yeah. He could be a sell high. But I hate to Possibly. say it because I feel like he's a breakout. He's he's a he was a breakout candidate at wide receiver and I think he's, you know, living up to that hype. Yeah, so you think that T.Y. Hilton coming back could possibly reduce his value moving forward. It might I, be a good time to capitalize on it right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he had like two receptions on three targets the game that Hilton played with him. I don't think that's going to be the new norm for Pittman, but I don't think... I mean, Pittman had two games. I was just looking at it. Pittman had two games this season with 12 targets. I don't think he ever sees that again with Hilton healthy. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, let's move on. Dolphins, Bills. I mean, okay. What is the what is the likelihood that the Dolphins upset the Bills in this match? <laughs> Very low, I would say. 
Especially yeah. a fresh Bills team coming off of a bye. Yeah, I'd say very yeah. low. And Buffalo, very low. <laughs> I would agree with that. I think that it's going to probably be... I mean, the thing with the Dolphins, they are the highest... Uh, they're the most passing offense in the NFL. So <laughs> Yeah, that's not good for the Bills' strengths on defense. <laughs> well... I mean, is it good for Miles Gaskin because he just keeps going back and forth? <laughs> oh my god. I mean, if he if he gets a bunch of catches, it's great, but we've seen now that he's gone from good to bad to good to bad. So, I mean, what do you do if you still roster him? Uh this is saying something, and I think I'll just leave it at this because it's hard to even I don't even want to talk about this. He is a worse player to roster than Robert Woods. <laughs> Well, yeah, I would agree, considering that, you know, running back is a much more difficult position to have t to find talent elsewhere. Yeah, uh, you are, I feel like you're almost forced to, you're forced to play Gaskin almost. I mean, unless you got lucky and got like Cordero Patterson or one of those type of waiver uh, running backs early on, I just, uh, I can't imagine you have the depth to where it's a no-brainer not to start him because of his inconsistencies, which is unfortunate for people that have him. Yeah, so the most recent one would be Dearness Johnson, and we'll talk more about him in a oh, bit, yeah. but who would you rather start, Gaskin or Johnson? <laughs> Nick Chubb back. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more later. I think since I would say that Dearness Johnson is more of a direct one-to-one -one fill in for Chubb rather than Hunt, I feel like it, you know, I think Johnson would have much more value if it was Hunt coming back rather than Chubb. So I guess that's where I'll leave it until we talk about the Browns. <laughs> hmm, okay. Um, all right, well, let's say pass catchers. Mike Gesicki and Jalen Waddell have very similar stat lines. Gesicki gets in the end zone. Uh, seven catches and 85 yards for him. He's putting up respectable numbers. Is it sustainable once Miami's fully healthy? <laughs> that's tough. That's tough because... There's a lot of variables that go into play for that. Um, I mean, I th I think you gotta. I don't even know what a sell high opportunity with a tight end looks like, but <laughs> I could definitely see his value going down. But I feel like he is, you know, he has a strong foothold in this offense. He's had production like this every once in a while for the past, you know few seasons i don't know how long he's been there but you know this is not like the first time we've seen gasicki do this it just i don't know i agree i don't know how consistent he could be with the options they have with a fully healthy lineup yeah this is certainly and i mean the same kind of goes for Jalen waddle it's it'll be interesting to see how the targets and the catches all shake out once they're at full health you know because you're missing will fuller and you're missing Devonte parker who right now aren't really competing with these guys for uh, any attention in the offense. Yeah, I agree. All right, quick quick run through of the Bills, pass catchers. I mean, pretty much you could put a blindfold on and you wouldn't be able to tell between these stat lines. <laughs> Nine catches for 89 and the touchdown. Five catches for 91, no touchdown. Seven catches for 88 yards and one touchdown. That's Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley. I mean, with Dawson Knox expected to miss multiple weeks with a hand injury, can these three pass catchers, like, just kind of pick up the slack and all be fantasy relevant? I think they definitely can. I mean, with, like, how equal of a distribution that is, 
and I mean, two of the three get a touchdown, but all three would have good days regardless of the touchdowns. I, I think you do trust all of them, especially with Knox not there to take away targets. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, obviously the one player that has been the most inconsistent has been Cole Beasley. Yeah. Um, but I think that, yeah, with Dawson Knox out, yeah, he might be a flex-worthy option for you. Um, and then on to the running backs. Uh, it's not looking very good here. This is kind of a this is kind of a running back wasteland, to be honest. I mean, Zach Moss eight carries for twenty four yards, two catches for fifteen yards, and then Devin Singletary five carries for twenty seven yards, five catches for sixteen yards. I mean, you really can't. Can you trust either of these guys to I mean, be in the roster? For a while there this season, you were looking at Zach Moss and you're like, wow, he might actually have standalone value. But this is the stat line that everyone was scared of going into you know draft nights with both of these running backs i mean you just they just detract from each other's value completely and from this stat line in this particular game in week six it it just shows how you can't trust either of them i feel like moss definitely still has more value but how much more if this is becoming the new norm i don't know <laughs> yeah i agree with that and it, and it is pretty often that Miami's defense struggles against the run so maybe one of those guys emerges but this week but uh, the way that the Bills offense really runs it's through those pass catchers so I don't expect anything special this week yeah I agree all right Bengals versus the Jets how about Joe Burrow we'll go ahead and let's do it one two three Joe Burrow Burrow <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, our dad really likes to do that. I don't even know why he likes Burrow so much, but he does. But Burrow had a he had an amazing day. Um, yeah, four hundred. I think that's his career high passing yards. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not certain, but it's I think that a high number. I think that might have been the case. Um, I think I do think he's legit. Uh, do you agree? As far as a starter in fantasy. Yeah, I, I would much. I feel a lot better starting him than Ryan Tannehill. I'll put it that oh. way. <laughs> I would agree. I would completely agree. Yeah, back to back games with three touchdowns through the air and at least two passing touchdowns every game this season. Tannehill's yeah. got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, he's 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 playing very well, and his pass catchers. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that. Jamar Chase is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I Would think I think Jamar Chase definitely has it locked. I mean, he's the he's the wide receiver three in fantasy, and he's a rookie. I mean, I know if they don't look at the fantasy rankings when deciding that, but I don't know who has had a better season or come close to it. I mean, a two hundred yard, two hundred receiving yard game is like uh, is a season high for even the elite wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, he he's very legit, and I, I, it's every week like this I kick myself <laughs> for not drafting him because I had the opportunity and I and I fell for the hype surrounding his preseason woes. It it's really disappointing to to watch him do so well, but it's exciting for future seasons that he's going to be hopefully a top ten wide receiver that you know we're going to have for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean uh, he's going to be. It'll be hard to say where these players will be next season, but as far as going into this season, he's like an 
A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson type as far as how high he's going to be drafted. And I think that's, you know, a fair position for him for sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, very similar to Justin Jefferson in how he's kind of emerged and, and performed in his rookie season. Um, how about... How about the other pass catchers? T. Higgins, seven catches for 62 yards, 15 targets he had today, that last day. And then Tyler Boyd, four <laughs> catches for 39 yards. Yeah, you didn't explicitly say it, but when he was talking about the whole drafting Chase thing, it's because he cho- was choosing between Boyd and Chase and unfortunately made the wrong decision. And I get it. I mean, nobody would have thought that the difference was this big. Um, I mean, T. Yeah. Higgins, 15 targets, that's that's ridiculous. You love to see that. He didn't end up having an amazing day with him, but I think that definitely makes you feel pretty good about him, at least his, like, flex value. Boyd, though, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't think you can trade him. This game at least showed that he has value. I guess he had a bounce-back performance from one reception for seven yards, but, yeah, it's yeah. still not great. Yeah, it's it, exactly. It's still not great. I the way that our fantasy leagues are structured, I'm pretty much still stuck starting him. But yeah. that's because we have four flexes yeah. uh, in addition to two wide receivers. So it's just you know we run a pretty deep league and considering it's a ten team. Yeah. Uh, CJ Uzama, three catches for ninety one yards on two touchdowns. He scored twice on three targets. Is that? Yeah. No. No. Uh, no, you know but, me too well as a as someone that prefers targets over touchdowns. Like, no, no, I don't buy it at all. I mean, <sighs> I do. But what do you think about as him as a streamer for people who rostered Waller or Andrews this week against the Jets? I mean, you could just hope he booms again, but I don't yeah. feel much better than that. I mean, he he's proven that he can, so I guess that's good. But I don't know what else you can even say about him. Yeah, he's been very he's been very boomer bust this season, uh, and pretty the targets are pretty rare for him. So I I would agree. I think it's it's risky to to go with him as your uh, replacement this week. Yeah. And then lastly, let's talk about Joe Mixon. First game with zero targets, and essentially split carries with. Uh, uh, P. Ryan. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we always say, you always say Perrine. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> forget how you actually pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, P. Ryan. Um, so he had 12 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. Mixon did. Is this a cause for concern? I don't really think so. I think this is probably just with how the game was going. Um, I yeah, mean, Burrow threw the ball 38 times. Yeah, I, I think that this is more to do with this specific game, this Week 7 game that they had. I mean, the Bengals are legit playoff contenders, so they're going to do what they need to do, and if, you know, not forcing the ball to mix in 20-plus times on the ground is, you know, <laughs> what they're doing, avoiding that because, I mean, you don't want to get them re-injured. I think that he's going to have better games than this, but I also, they're not going to force it to him. But I don't think that's gonna hurt him too much. He's he's gonna get better looks and the like, more productive and efficient looks. I think even if it's not as many carries, just because his offense as a whole is doing well. Yeah, 
I, I, me personally, I'd be a little concerned that uh, P. Ryan got just as many carries, basically. But I, I think it may have something to do with coming back from injury. Yeah. Um, just, you know, kind of slowing his uh, reintegration back into the offense. So I would agree. Yeah, we'll move on from there. We'll do a quick summary of the Jets. I mean, the, the two players really that are in contention for a flex spot on your roster would be Michael Carter, 11 carries, 37 yards. He did have eight catches for 67 yards. Um, Double-digit scoring in three straight, but definitely touchdown dependent. And then Corey Davis, just the same. Four catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Another, tight end, another touchdown dependent flex, I'd say. Yeah, I agree, and I don't have too much to add. I think both of these players are worth rostering, but uh, it's this offense is arguably the worst in the league. This team is arguably the worst in the league, so it's just I don't know how you can bank on any high production, but they're worth rostering for sure. So what do you think about former Bronco Joe, <laughs> Joe Flacco? Uh, I mean, being traded to the Jets, he'll he'll probably start in uh in Zach Wilson's place while he misses. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he could be not exciting by any means, but he could be more reliable, and it could be good for these for you know these fantasy relevant players. I mean, it's not like they're gonna boom or anything, but right, you could have a more he's more reliable than Wilson for sure for what he's done this season probably but, yeah I, I mean he's got to so. be I, uh, he's just an experienced quarterback I just think that he's not gonna have like high passing yards but I think he's gonna you know kind of do what he needs to do and for this team it's usually losing and throwing from behind but I think he's gonna be able to do that and probably not have a horrible completion percentage and probably be fine at you know nothing. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I think the takeaway is to avoid the Jets. I mean, we'll talk more about how the Patriots did against them when we get to them, but yeah. it was a it was a rough showing for them. Oh, yeah. All right, let's move on. Division matchup. I got this one right. Steelers against the Browns. <laughs> uh, let's Okay, let's talk about Najee Harris. Back-to-back weeks with 20-plus carries and at least a touchdown in three straight games. I mean, no worries here, right? Browns defense. Yeah. You know, nothing special. He's a must-start running back in my eyes. That's really... That's how I feel. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that he's... I think he's delivering um, from where he was drafted for most I would say so. Yeah, Yeah. he's, he's done very well as... I mean, a rookie that's hyped as being the best of the class as far as a fantasy perspective. And, yeah, I think he's... I think he's living up to that. Yeah, this was the one player that I was considering as uh, competition for um, Jamar Chase as, in terms of Offensive Rookie of the Year. But really, when you look at his NFL numbers, they're not nearly as impressive as what Chase is doing. So I didn't even bother to mention it in the notes. Yeah, I think Harris has done very good as a starting running back, but I think Chase is having just more like unprecedented <laughs> uh, numbers as a rookie. Yeah, certainly. Um, All right, let's go with Deontay Johnson. He's got nine catches in three of the five games that he's played. He did miss week three due to injury. And he's a double-digit scorer every week so far. Uh, Mr. Reliable. Yeah, no concerns with the Browns defense either. 
I think if I had to say my favorite player in all of fantasy, I think I might pick Deontay Johnson. Because I feel like he's underrated, honestly. Like, he's being rated as, like, probably a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, but he's just insanely consistent. And I, I, just, I just love having him on my team, especially as, you know, he's not even my wide receiver one, or at least as far as, like, rankings go. So I'm just glad that I can have him on my team. Yeah, he's certainly the wide receiver you want on that team. Let's let's move on to his teammate Chase Claypool, who's been pretty boomer bust so far. What are your expectations for him this week? I think that it was surprising his usage in Week Six, um, especially against uh, the Seahawks, I believe, who sh- have been pretty easy to pass against. I mean, Big Ben's having his own issues, but I expect Claypool to bounce back from that and become reliable. Um, I just, he's got too much talent to not be, and I mean, this offense, like, Claypool definitely deserves a spot, especially with Juju being out, he's, him and Deontay are going to pick up those targets, and I mean, I feel much better about Deontay, but Claypool definitely has, still has a lot of value. Yeah, uh, I didn't mention it in the notes, but I do want to quickly reference, uh, for a tight end fill-in, maybe Pat Fryermuth. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had seven catches on seven targets for 58 yards. Uh, you got to think that, I mean, traditionally, Pittsburgh likes throwing to tight ends in the red zone. And it's possible that with Juju moving out and the way that they have to play against the Browns, it's possible they could rely on Fryermuth a little bit more that's just kind of a uh, a flyer in my opinion but yeah he's, you know he's had some decent games so is far, it so. Bengals tight end Uzama or Uzoma how do you pronounce it Uzama I- I'd feel better about Fryermuth even if like you know <laughs> he gets like 10 points and Uzoma gets I don't know 20 plus on three receptions like i would still not kick myself for that i just don't buy his production like i would yeah between those two i think i think that's might be not so bad of a comparison um mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's an interesting play especially since probably everyone forgot what he did in week six because they were on by yeah maybe so uh let's move on to the browns we talked a little bit about the Ernest johnson he's a great fill-in uh I think he's going to have a role. He's he's definitely earned himself a role in this offense as long as Kareem Hunt is out. He had 22 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also had two catches for 22 yards. Uh, he, he just looked really good against your struggling Denver Broncos. Uh, I, I don't take ownership. Um, I would, like I said earlier on in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I said earlier on in this episode, I mean, that stat line he had last week is a Nick Chubb stat line. So, he still has value, undoubtedly, but is he going to be anywhere near this? No. And I think that, you know, I think Chubb, they're not going to be like, oh, 50-50 split. They might maybe this week just because of he's coming off an injury, but that is not going to be anything that Johnson's going to come close to as Chubb gets closer and closer to being 100% healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. He'll stay. He'll stay somewhat relevant in this offense as long as Hunt is out. Like I said, um, but their play styles do seem to be a little bit more uh, 
conflicting rather than yes. complimentary. Agreed. All right. Uh, the pass catchers, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. These are both touchdown dependent flexes. If you have to start them, like, I, I get it, but like, honestly, I'd, I'd rather not. I mean, yeah, uh, keep in mind that this is a game with Case Keenum. It's not like you're super excited with Baker Mayfield, but uh, yeah, I agree. It, it's it's tough. Yeah, there's no guarantee that Baker's back this week either. So yeah. it might be more of the same. And, and this reminds me, obviously the talent level is severely different, um, but this reminds me of Geno Smith and the Seahawks, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Just, you know, like... These guys weren't doing very well when Baker was in, so you you have to give them a downgrade even more with uh, Case Keenum. Yeah, more for Lockett, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, Eagles, Lions. Carson, let me ask you this. Are the Lions going to win this week? Are they going to get their first win of the season? <sighs> they could. And it's in Detroit. I, I feel bad for them. They don't deserve to be 0-17 at the end of the season. Um, yeah, it was interesting, and you might have something to add to this, it was interesting how they were basically playing against the Rams at the start of the game, like they were playing Madden, um, <laughs> so... Well, if they were really playing Madden, they wouldn't even come out in punt formation. Yeah, that's true, but I think this a team... Lot of, a lot of trick plays, a lot of fake punts, uh, onside kick, they recovered... They were playing like a team that had nothing to lose, and then they still lost. Yeah. Um, they really have nothing to lose at this point. They've lost, you know, at least two games, I know for sure, to field goals. They deserve to get a win. This could be it, uh, with Hurts being a good fantasy quarterback, but not a good uh, NFL, you know, quarterback. NFL quarterback. And right. then the running back situation um, that I'm sure you can elaborate on. Yeah, it, it's becoming quite dire um, at this point. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I think for the second time this season, led the team in carries. He had 13. And yeah. So, I mean, that's not really very indicative of having a good run, run offense from your running backs, your traditional running backs. Yeah. Miles Sanders left, left the game with an ankle injury, likely to miss time. He's uh, weak. He's quoted as being week to week from their uh, coach. Boston Scott got a rushing touchdown, uh, seven carries for 24 yards, and Kenneth Gainwell got a receiving touchdown, uh, four catches, 41 yards. Uh, you have any confidence in either of these running backs while Sanders is out? Um, I mean, everything I'm reading, I think this is a pretty barren week for the waivers. Everything I'm reading is that Gainwell is the only player worth picking up if he's on your waivers. Luckily, I've had him since after week one, and he hasn't had any value until I had to play him this week, and he happened to have some value, but I don't really trust him. I mean, I like him more than Boston Scott just because he was already getting receiving work when Miles Sanders is healthy, so now he should, you know, be even more of a crutch for, you know, short dump-off passes and get more carries, but... I mean, and the Lions are a good matchup. You're not excited starting him, but if you, I don't know, the running backs that are on by this week are not even that exciting. So uh, if you have injuries, he could be a decent fill-in, but it's not like it's not like he's Devontae Booker or Chuba Hubbard, even though Hubbard didn't have a good week. They're, those handcuffs 
are a different level and don't even like Alexander Madison's a whole different level as we talked about yeah, before. But Gainwell this, could be a decent fill in. Ah, also, this I don't think that with how the Eagles use Miles Sanders that you yeah. should feel any better about Scott or Gainwell. I mean, I, because if they were more talented than Sanders, they'd be starting ahead of him. Exactly, and you're so... you're losing confidence with Sanders. So I mean, you can hope for. Gainwell to have a receiving day like this and it's not even he didn't even have to do anything on the ground so I think he has a decent floor um as far as a backup running back that's stepping in but I don't think you're super confident at all yeah probably better options um out there yeah let's quickly cover the pass catchers Dallas Goddard had three catches for 70 yards uh, he only had five targets, which matches his season high of the season. Um, but that's a little bit less involvement than you were hoping for with Ertz gone. Yeah, uh, he could be a buy low candidate in leagues that have tight ends because I just think he has to do well in Ertz's absence. I just think it's inevitable. So I don't really yeah, trust this so. one game. I mean... We did talk about how Hertz is kind of struggling with efficiency yeah. as a quarterback, so there's there's risk associated with it, but I, I would For agree. Sure. I think that he will have better games than this moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and then quickly, Devonta Smith, you know, really nothing special. He he, he really was good the, the first couple weeks of the season yeah. and then kind of quickly declined to this kind of middling flex worthy sort of five catches 61 yards he had nine targets he's getting looked at but uh it, you know it goes back to hurts being inefficient with his throwing just kind of hurting these pass catchers yeah i agree all right with the lions uh and i was shocked when you said that deontay johnson was your favorite player i i thought for sure you're gonna be deandre Swift. <laughs> come on come on no i mean Love him or hate him, he's getting it done week after Oh, he's week. getting it done. And I don't hate him. I just hate his... I don't hate his fantasy production because he's still a must-start, honestly, running back. But it just as far as like draft rankings, I hate his ranking just because I don't like the way he's used as a running back, but he undeniably gets it done. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to come around on him myself. I think that even though he gave up 12 carries to Jamal Williams... Swift's usage affords him RB2, an RB2 floor with RB1 upside. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it's just, you know, no matter no matter what happens in the game, he's always out there getting involved. Yeah, and that's also, like, if you're a league where your fantasy playoffs go through the end of the regular season, like, DeAndre Swift, <laughs> I think, has to be a top five running back in Week 18, just because this... Uh, this team is not playing for a playoff spot, and he's always going to have the workload. Well, what if they just what if they just run the table and they finish the season? <laughs> ten, ten I mean, seven, they're playing they're playing better than an zero and seven team is. I would say, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty unlikely. I'd agree with that. Um, speaking of unlikely, potentially. Khalif Raymond, six catches, 115 yards on eight targets. Do you buy this moving forward? Is this the is this the receiver that you want other than uh, TJ Hawkinson? Not really. I mean, I Amon Ross St. Brown was healthy and had zero targets, right? I, I just don't buy that. 
at all. I, I mean, I think both of them are worth a roster spot because I think, I mean, we're already seven weeks into the season. You'd think you'd have a sense of direction on what this offense would be doing as far as <laughs> passing, but you still don't. But they still both have value because someone has to catch the ball and they're always behind, so they should be passing. And I mean, Swift is picking up much of the slack, but someone else has to emerge. And I don't know if it's Raymond. I think... I think it's more likely St. Brown, but, you know, who knows? I think one yeah, of them will break soon. away at some point, but, I mean... Even, even after seven weeks, too soon to say. Yeah, agreed. And that's a weird feeling, but that's true. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the Rams and the Texans on the next matchup slate. Oh, Daryl Henderson this week, he he hurt me. He it The matchup was... The matchup was cake, and they ended up winning that game, but it felt like the Rams were playing behind all game long. Yeah, it was it was definitely weird. Um, for a week with so many great running backs on by, Henderson was stepping up as a potential, you know, RB1 as far as weekly rankings. and Well, top yeah. five, yeah, not even yeah. RB1, top five. Yeah, even higher, so... Yeah, that was I can that was definitely disappointing. Luckily, you also yeah. have Derrick Henry, who didn't have an amazing day by his standards, but you know he gives you a very reliable floor for your running back. So yeah, I'll I'll talk about I'll talk about my week seven matchup when we get to the Seahawks. But <laughs> um, yeah, Henderson fifteen carries. Uh, Michelle only had two carries, which is a positive uh, note, but it was a disappointing disappointing performance given the matchup. Anyway, uh, quickly Cooper Cup. 10 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. His double-digit streak in targets continues. Uh, not much you can say other than, like, if you have this guy, you're extremely happy that you got him, and I don't think you can trade him because there are no there are no uh, substitutions for, this, for his production. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, every single year, there's a player that is drafted so much lower than he should be that they're almost always inevitably that player is on a winning team as far as fantasy records right and a i think that's winner. that that uh, yeah a league winner um i don't know about in our league but in most leagues i would say that team has cooper cup yeah very very potential and and it's even more it's possible at least that a team could have cooper cup and mike williams yeah, and, and Mike Williams is another name that <laughs> that just you know got drafted super late and has outperformed that draft position in immensely. Yeah, I mean you could have there, there's probably a team I, I'm sure of it. There's a team that has Derrick Henry, Cup, and Williams. Yeah, that team is probably racking up the wins, assuming they drafted competently otherwise. Uh, for sure. Yeah, the fact that you could very you easily could have. Those two players and the elite running backs or even elite wide receivers also on your team is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, on the other hand, Robert Woods, he's just getting outshined by Cup. He did have a decent game, six catches, 70 yards. How are you feeling about him moving forward? <sighs> I'm much more nervous than excited every time I see him on the screen, but I am... <sighs> I'm I'm content with this game, um, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> at some point Cup's got to be like, 
I, I'm a little tired, guys. Maybe pass to Woods. Like, I feel like that just has to happen at some point. I mean, they're not going to just ease back and on Cup. It did happen once. It did happen in week five. Yes, that is true. So maybe he'll get that every five weeks or something. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I Cup... Uh, Cup is having a ridiculously good season, but I still feel like in you know a very good offense, Wood still undoubtedly has value, but that's why he's so hard to trade. Just because you feel like you're going to get ripped off if you actually get someone to accept him because they're going to be valuing him so low. But his upside—he right. has proven upside from past seasons, and even that one game. This year, he has proven upside, so it's just hard to it's hard to deal with him. But I'll I'll take a game with double digits with without even any touchdowns. So yeah, I'll take it for sure. Yeah. All right. On the other side of this matchup, the Houston Texans. I got one thing to say, and it's about Brandon Cooks. Uh, Houston barely showed up for their game against the Cardinals. I think you still have to start Cooks given his target share in this offense, and everyone else is untouchable. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I'm glad I no longer have David Johnson and Philip Lindsay on my lineup like I did after draft night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a bold move from your drafting. Oh yeah, I'm glad it has worked out a bit, but yeah. Alright, so guess I'm ready to take over. I believe this is the last noon game. I don't even know. Maybe not. Uh, who cares? Uh, 49ers <laughs> and okay. versus the Bears. Um, Elijah Mitchell. I I, I honestly can't believe it. He is an undisputed leading running back in this run-heavy offense. His lack of receiving work limits his ceiling. I don't believe he had a single catch, or I feel like I would have written that down. Um, so do you think that Mitchell is a strong fantasy RB2? Uh, I guess so. It It's very... We'll get to some of the other players in a bit. Uh, specifically Brandon Ayuk, but I don't know. The, the way that the 49ers implement their running backs, it's tim- it's typically by committee, and so I don't necessarily buy Mitchell being rely- reliable moving forward. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, RB2, that's that's not too difficult to, yeah. to, to attain whenever you're getting the amount of workload that he is. Yeah, is is most is Mostert out for the season? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, I agree. I mean, there is they're usually a committee, and what is happening of Trey Sermon is so weird. With you know, with the way that this season is gone, you're like, how yeah, did for- anybody expect Sermon to be the rookie? I know they drafted him higher. That's the reason. But Mitchell is the rookie. Yeah, you just have to think, like, too, that at some point this season, all three running backs, Jermichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, yes. and Trey Sermon have all been rostered. Yeah. So, yep. it's just, it's a matter of, I, I don't know, I think it's kind of a hot hand approach that they're taking, to be honest. What I think is so unfortunately funny is that you knew that other running backs besides Moster would have value because it was almost inevitable that Mostert would get injured and then week one he's out for the season you basically just checked off a box like I was just thinking back on that like that was so predictable but not the person that emerged from that that was not predictable at all right yeah that it being Mitchell is the guy who's getting the most uh 
the most points. Yeah, I mean, Sermon being a healthy scratch week one was a, a huge red flag, but yeah, we can move on from that. Um, Debo, proving to be reliable, and uh, again, I still can't believe it. I thought week one was going to be a fluke, but it's not. He's he's a wide receiver one. Led the team in targets with 11 by a substantial amount. The next highest target, high, most highest targeted player was Jermichael Hasty with six. So... I guess that leads me into my next question for you is, is Brandon Ayuk droppable? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's 100%. so sad, though. It's so sad, though. <laughs> he's wide receiver number 94. Yeah, that that's he, horrible. He's averaging, he's averaging 4.3 fantasy points. Not that he was drafted insanely high, but teams that are struggling right now probably, uh, like Ani in our league, like... The usual suspects. He was, drafted, he was drafted 47th overall okay. in our league. Never mind. I thought he's drafted way higher. That's a huge blow because, okay. Uh, That's uh, around his ADP, too. It's not like he reached. Yeah, no, I'll talk about Allen Robinson in a bit, but Ani has both Ayuk and Robinson, and that hurts so bad. Like we were saying with Cup, yeah. with Cup is on uh, teams that are probably in the championship, uh, Ayuk and Robinson are both players that are probably on teams that are, like, at the bottom of the table. Dumpster squads, yeah. Oh, yeah. And George yeah. Kittle's out for an, at least another week. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Ayuk. He, yeah, drop Ayuk. I think Kittle will reemerge in this offense a bit, but I don't think it's going to hurt Debo at all. It's just it's going to limit Ayuk even more, but Ayuk's proven to not even be able to pick up any sort of slack. So, yeah, we can move on from them to the Bears. With Khalil Herbert who had 18 carries for 100 rushing yards, as well as five receptions. Damien Williams was fully healthy for this game, correct? Yeah, healthy enough to start, yeah. Uh, sh should fantasy managers drop Damien Williams? <laughs> uh, probably. Um, because David Montgomery's out for at least another week, I, I don't see how they can go away from Herbert with how he's played. Um, why would you go back to Damian Williams whenever Herbert has done what he's done with the opportunities given to him? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is the game with two rookies that probably went undrafted in almost every single league, and yet they're doing amazing with what they've been given. I think it's a shame that Herbert is going to probably have very, very minimal value when Montgomery returns, just because I don't know how you... You know, Montgomery's their guy. It's like his third season, and he's starting to become the running back they are hoping he would. So I don't know how you thwart his, his you know, his carries by giving it to this rookie, but I don't know. I think it's disappointing. Do you feel similar about that backfield when Montgomery returns? Yeah, he's a, he is a, he's a handcuff. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. And then... Uh, move on and reassess when Montgomery's back healthy. And I don't even think he's a sell high because unfortunately it's going to be very predictable how he takes a back seat when Montgomery comes back. Yeah, unless unless Montgomery or yeah, unless Montgomery has some kind of setback, I don't think you can you can realistically trade make a deal happen with him. Yeah, since I already talked about Robinson a bit, I'll lump him and Mooney together and just say I had it as a question for you but I think it's safe to say you can't trust any wide receiver in this offense like you just can't no you really can't and and I saw here that you mentioned Cole Komet yes who had a decent day five catches 43 yards but 
that was because um, Jimmy Graham yes. was on the COVID list, I believe. Yeah. So you you so I I have no clue how, what Graham has even done this season. Has he just been basically only hurting Komet's value? <laughs> Yeah, Komet has not had a lot of opportunities with Jimmy Graham there, and Jimmy Graham hasn't done a lot with his opportunities. So, it's but I mean, it goes back to the pass catchers. You just can't really just avoid them if you can. Yeah, I agree. We can move on to the next game, which is the Patriots and the Chargers. This should be an interesting game. Um, yeah. So Damian Harris has proven himself. He has the, his third game this season with 100-plus rushing yards. There are not many running backs that probably have done that um, this season. And he scored two rushing touchdowns, five on the season. And Should have been six, but he fumbled at the one-inch line <laughs> the week before. Yeah, I think that his ceiling does limit him because he doesn't get much receiving work. But I think, I mean, just with his rushing numbers, I mean, do you think he's a strong fantasy RB2, just like Mitchell? <laughs> yeah, I think he's a top 15 running back. Yeah. Um, he is getting, he's very efficient with his touches, and he's, they they like using him in the red zone, and as long as Jacoby Myers is on the team, there's no concern that he's going to lose a touchdown to him, so... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Dam- i feel good about damian harris moving forward i'm glad that i have him on my team and to be honest like we saw what three different running backs score a touchdown for them i think they could have put robert Kraft in against the jets and he would have gotten a touchdown <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that that says enough um yeah so i guess keep that in mind but i mean yeah, like I said, Robert Kraft on your waiver wire. Yeah, this was his third game with 100 plus rushing yards, but this he didn't even have one against the Jets the other time they've you know faced in the season. So that's not really even a skewed stat, but you know no, you do keep in mind the Jets have gotten even worse. Yes, <laughs> keep in mind that it was against the Jets. Um, I'm gonna go on Jacoby Myers and skip that bullet point. Um, Myers is getting consistent target levels to be considered a reliable flex play. I think that you certainly need to hold on to him. Um, because he's getting very high target uh, numbers. Just like, he's being very consistent with his targets. Um, he's has the shortest average yards per reception out of any Patriots wide receiver this game, which is a little concerning. But, um, I mean, he's just some deep catches or a touchdown away from really breaking out. So I, I trust him, honestly. He's, he's a good he's not exciting because he doesn't get the touchdowns, but I just don't buy that he won't. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, something's got to give, but yeah. it's uh, uh, he's certainly the pass catcher you want on the offense other than maybe Hunter Henry with Johnny Smith banged up. We can talk about that. Yeah, so that's four straight games for Henry with a receiving touchdown. I don't feel comfortable with him, though. He gets so little receptions and just that little touchdown so I, I feel like I've really reiterated that point enough about how I feel of tight ends. So, I mean, that's all I have to say on them. Do you have anything else? Yeah, not necessarily. Uh, we've talked about it several times, um, that tight end situation. I don't know. Uh, the Patriots are going to have to pass the ball to keep up with the Chargers. So... Yeah, I, I'll add on to that um, and say the fact... I'll go back to Myers for a second. He... 
was tied for the most targets this game with Brandon Bolden, of all people. And I want to ask you, as a Patriots fan, because you might have more insight, has Brandon Bolden secured the James White role in this offense for this season? Uh, probably. I mean, he's James. He's a James White light, you know? He's, yeah. He's not certainly not as talented as James White, but he is a scrappy player, and he'll get some points. I Honestly, personally, I don't feel great about starting him in fantasy. Agreed. Um, it's kind of a tricky scenario. Like, a lot of things have to go his way, have to break right, in order for him to have an effective fantasy performance. Yeah. Um, so, from that perspective, maybe... Uh, but in fairness, people weren't really starting James White when James White was healthy. True, true. It just, as far as PPR, he's probably worth rostering just because uh, of that value. Leagues. Yeah, in deep leagues, definitely. For sure. And especially if he puts up another week similar to this one, I think he's proven just from receptions he has value. Um, I'll move on to the Chargers. Uh, their week six, week six matchup against the Ravens. Uh, we talked about it a bit last week when talking about the Ravens because it was surprising. I don't even feel like reading any of their stat lines in Week 6 just because they got completely decimated by Baltimore. But they have a lot of fantasy-relevant players, so um, and I think they will all bounce back from that Week 6 performance. Uh, do you agree yeah, with that, just I, overall sentiment? I, I do agree with that, and I will say this. Um, Bill Belichick is notorious for taking away the opposing team's best player more often than not. Yeah. But the trouble is with the Chargers is that if if it's Austin Eckler that they're that they're targeting, it's going to be Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and maybe even Jared Cook that are going to pick up the slack. It, there's it's a very you know there's there's so many heads to this offense that you can't really contain their offense like the, the the fact that the ravens were able to manage to do that in week six is surprising um yeah. i think that more often than not and we've seen this already the chargers will get it done with the amount of talent that they have on their offense i'm not worried about any of these players on this list eckler allen williams uh and even cook i think is a decent fill-in if you are missing a, a tight end this week yeah, I completely agree. Herbert's legit. Eckler's must start. Allen could be a buy-low candidate. Um, Williams, you know, had a tough game, but <laughs> it was the second game with less than five points, but every other game he's had 20-plus, so you still got to trust him, obviously. And yeah, like you were hinting at, Cook could be a uh, good waiver acquisition for you know, teams that need a tight end or just teams that, you know, have Mark Andrews or Darren Waller. Um, so that's really all I need to say about the Chargers. Weird week six. They had the week off after that performance. I think they'll bounce back and do well. Yeah, I think that they probably beat the Patriots. I'd be very surprised, but happy <laughs> to see them, to see the Patriots win. But yeah, especially in I Los Angeles. Be, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a game for the Chargers. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to Jaguars, Seahawks. Um, Jaguars were on by last week, but uh, James Robinson had a very good day in that game. 17 carries, 73 yards and a touchdown, three receptions, 28 yards. Um, fourth straight game with at least one rushing touchdown and at least 70 rushing yards. Is Robinson a low-end RB1? I think 
more realistically, he's a high end RB two. Okay. Personally, I think that. I mean, he's he's being he's been solid, and as long as Carlos Hyde is staying on the bench and away from James Robinson's touches, he can definitely have that RB one upside. Um, I'm not super familiar with his catching game usage yeah i don't i think that's kind of around par for him that usage i don't think he gets a ton but he gets he gets a decent floor from it yeah so that kind of limits his upside he's position ranked 12 currently i mean so and that's with his buy um he's obviously talented we saw it last season and as long as they can put up some points against seattle which you know Despite that, despite the fact that uh, the Saints only put up 13 points, Kamara had a huge game against them. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> the distinction between low-end RB1 and high-end RB2 probably doesn't matter too much. If you have Robinson, you're starting him. Um, I think mm-hmm. what limits his ceiling is just like this this Jaguars team not being amazing, but he's still going to get it done, um, so that's what's important. So I'll go ahead and talk about Marva Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Jones's fourth game with at least eight targets, and he tied for the most targets, 10, with Chenault. Um, Jones found the end zone and had an overall better day than Chenault. But honestly, I, I don't view Jones any higher than Chenault, really. Do you? Um, I do a okay. little bit. It's, it's not a huge difference, yeah. but I think that Marvin Jones has, you know, a better, a, certainly a better track record than Chenault this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking oh, a few weeks ago before we started the podcast about if uh, Chenault should be in line for a bigger role, and yeah. he really hadn't delivered on that with the with DJ Chark being out. So it's still kind of yet to be seen. Um, yeah, I would say that Jones definitely is the better option between the two at the moment, just because in the absence of Chark, who is now officially out for the season. Not that that yes. really changed anything, it's just official now. Um, people are probably valuing Jones like much higher than Chenault, which I don't think is true. Um, right. I'll talk maybe, about... Maybe, maybe yeah, disproportionately high. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. Chenault bounced back. I would say bounced back. I mean, he only had 11.4 fantasy points, but 10 targets is bouncing back from his Week 5 performance, which was like weirdly low especially coming off of what he did in the game that chart got injured um yeah he really bounced back from that actually that might have been no 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 no. yeah that's right the week five performance was the low usage um i would should also roster percentage dropped by 10.5 percent this past week probably because of all the buys in week seven um i think he's definitely worth a spot on your roster so if you dropped him you probably weren't happy of doing so and you're wanting him back and i think if you're in a league that he was dropped in because he's he's rostered i i think a little over half i think he's definitely worth getting yeah no complaints with that (laughs) we'll talk about the seahawks now and i'll i'll save i'll save your little what I perceive as a rant for the end. Um, so I'll just start with saying that Russell Wilson and Chris Carson are both still out until at least week 10 because of being on IR. Alex Collins outcarried the next Seahawks running back by 10 carries, 16 to 6. But Rashad Penny is the running back that had six carries. And that was his first game since week one. Do you think 
Collins has value during the absence of Chris Carson, or do you think Penny might emerge and make this more of a committee? Uh, Alex Collins didn't look very good uh, on the Monday night game. Yeah. And I understand that, well, considering they're going up against the Jaguars. Okay, never mind. I saw the Bucks below. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Sorry. I did too for a second. Um, okay, so they're going against the Jaguars. That's a pretty good matchup. Alex Collins is, he's okay, and he's had good games filling in for Carson. I would, I would bet that he's going to do better this week than he did this previous game. Agreed. And uh, Rashad Penny having six carries. I, I just think that, the, I mean, the Seahawks, Seahawks offense just couldn't do anything um, against the Saints. So, I mean, that'll kind of lead into the pass catchers, but... Yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. DK Metcalf. Um. <laughs> Seventeen point six fantasy points on two catches. That is a DK Metcalf day. And <laughs> usually, th that's what's so interesting about him is that his floor really is these like games where he just gets one huge receiving touchdown, because otherwise he gets more targets than this. Makes me a little nervous about him, but he's still an elite wide receiver. Um, but Geno Smith only completed 12 passes, so that hurts him. Uh, Metcalf at the second most targets with five, only one behind Freddie Swain. Um, I feel like I'm yeah. setting this up for you to go ahead and just talk this about is, Metcalf. I mean, about Lockett, so I'll let you take mostly, over. Yeah, this is mostly an audio podcast, but while you're reading those stats, I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> I mean... I was going into Monday night, just to make it about me for a moment, I was going into Monday night down 15 points, and I had Tyler Lockett left. Now, normally, Tyler Lockett is good for, I mean, what would you say, mid-teens, but he has a crazy good ceiling. Yes, he has a, like, fantasy wide receiver record-breaking ceiling. <laughs> right, so I'm thinking, okay, there's hope. And then I check the score at halftime, and it's like 7 to 10 or 7 to 7. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe Lockett got in the end zone. And then I look at what Lockett has, and he's got two catches for 12 yards. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, there's still a half left, so maybe he'll, you know, turn it up and figure it out. And then I check at the end. Oh, Two catches for 12 yards. 3.2 points from Tyler Lockett. Yeah, thanks for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's... Geno Smith, Geno Smith looks lost behind, you know, <laughs> under center. He He's constantly looking over his shoulder for pass rushers. He's not looking at Lockett. He, he found Metcalf. If you saw the play, he caught Metcalf basically in double coverage made one guy miss the other defender fell before he caught the ball so it was just like it was just pure fluke that he even scored a touchdown in the air but 
yeah, God forbid it's Tyler Lockett who catches that play. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I just, I, I, what you have on here in the notes, what do fantasy managers do with Lockett? I think you bench him until <laughs> until Russell Wilson comes back because he has stunk. I agree. I feel for you for having Boyd and Lockett. Those are two players that are just like, I mean, if you had Woods, you'd have like the trifecta of wide receivers that you feel like you have to do well, something with but can't. How about Allen Robinson? Let's make it a four. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, we can add him onto the list, too. Um, that's a list of players, like I said, wide receivers you feel like you have to do something with but can't. Yeah, this reminded me of an idea that, like, uh, when has it happened in recent memory that we've had a season with so many big-name talents just be absolute garbage? Yeah. No, I agree. It's been... It's been weird at the players that have been breaking out and it's not it's like cooper cup like you know that he's a reliable fantasy option but wide receiver one in all of fantasy contender like it's a weird season for sure yeah i'm not really so much concerned as who's blowing up but it's the people that are just oh, yeah. like what do you do with these guys like, i'm just saying it's on both ends too it's it's weird yeah it's certainly an unconventional fantasy season from that regard um, yeah yeah I think, I mean, yeah, I think Lockett, and again, he can go off at any moment, but as long as Geno Smith is there, I don't trust him. And for some reason, DK Metcalf keeps catching touchdowns from him, but I, I honestly don't feel good about that either. Like you said, it, it just, it's a bad situation in Seattle until yeah. week 10, maybe. Yeah, I agree. We can move on to the next game, which is Buccaneer Saints, which will be a good one. Um, All right, at least something to get my mood back up. Yeah, Tom Brady, who I feel like that's a pretty low completion percentage day for him, but he's got a very high standard. He was extremely efficient. He threw his 600th passing touchdown. Ain't nobody do it better than Brady, baby. That's all I have to no say about, about him. That. That that's all I have to say about him. That's all I have to say about him. 211 yeah. for four touchdowns is kind of weird, but as far as fantasy concerned, that's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly, I was a little, I mean, obviously I understand the move, but I was disappointed when they pulled him out of the game with eight minutes left. Yeah. Um, that could have been some more points for me, but... <laughs> It'd be funny if they just started doing that every single week that the game's just, like, <laughs> not... Like, probably unattainable. Like, yeah, all right, this is how Brady's going to make it until he's 50. Right. But, I, yeah, it doesn't yeah, make sense. playing three quarters of football every week. Yeah. Uh, you also, I mean, you love to see Leonard Fournette, 15 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Solid day. Uh I don't... Uh, how many carries did Ronald Jones has? Yeah, write it down I was here. just pulling that up. Uh, ten. Ten carries. Okay. Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't think that that really concerns me too much because this... I mean, there's been no indication that Fournette... Uh, traditionally, the issue with that Buccaneers backfield with these two players is, like, whoever fumbles the ball <laughs> usually just gets, like, put in a shed and just forgotten about <laughs> because... I, I guess that's just that's uh, Bruce Arians' coaching style, but um, there hasn't really been too many fumbling issues from Fournette. Yeah, he probably only has like three on the season, which is not great. But um, it's it's not it hasn't been an issue lately. So yeah. from that perspective, I'm not concerned with Ronald Jones' usage in this game. Um, and then how about Mike Evans? Like 
I will say real quick, I did call a Chris Godwin touchdown, and I did deliver on that promise. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Yes. But how about Mike Evans outshining him for six catches, but three touchdowns, 76 yards? Yeah, uh, it's a Mike Evans day. Like certainly, certainly not not many yards. Uh, I mean, he had more reception or more targets than a usual Mike Evans day, quote unquote, um, because he had ten targets still, but three receiving touchdowns. That's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Um, keep in mind, Antonio Brown and Gronkowski were absent, but that that's just yeah. ridiculous. What I was gonna say is this reminds me of last season when they were both healthy before Antonio Brown and Gronkowski got to that team. Yeah, just having Evans and Godwin both be top 20, top 25, like week in and week out, reliable. I mean, maybe even top 15 wide receivers. Um, yeah, they, they, the talent is certainly there. It gets complicated when when Brown and when Gronkowski returns, yeah. how that shakes up, because, you know, it goes back to, like, the Cardinals offense. There's a lot of mounts to feed in that offense, and um, you hope that Brady can just distribute the touchdowns, which he's usually very good about. Um but yeah, good weeks from both of those receivers, and it's possible that we'll see Antonio Brown and Gronkowski back this week. Yeah, I mean, Godwin's third game with double-digit targets, he had 11, one more than Evans. I have a sign written here about Godwin's production, I like me liking it more than Evans. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do really like to see Godwin... Um, I mean, almost have 20 points even without the touchdown. I really, I, I really, I'm really, I, I'm really showing my cards with what I value in players. But I mean, yeah, Evans undisputedly had a ridiculous day. You're horny for catches. Okay. And, yes. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there's no denying that eight is larger than six, but <laughs> three is larger than one. Yes. Uh, you're, you're definitely happier that you had Evans that day than God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just meant more for the outlook, not the day. But yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see Antonio Brown and Gronkowski back in this defense. It makes them a little bit more unpredictable, but they're still they still have a ton of value. Yeah, a lot of talent on that offense. Another, I I think that if anyone's gonna mess up the Cardinals' run to the Super Bowl, it's gonna be the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to the Saints, where really the only player I'll talk about in depth is. Alvin Kamara exploded. Well, do you really think that distinction matters? I've heard it said both ways. Well, you've heard tomato, but doesn't that matter? <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Kamara exploded for his best game of the season with 20 carries and 10 receptions. Although he was inefficient, only like being like, I don't know, quick math two and a half yards per carry which is not great at all he put up the performance of wide receiver one purely with his receiving stat line of 10 receptions for 128 receiving yards and a touchdown and he led the team in targets with 11 you yeah. also like to see That's that like cooper cup on an off oh game. yeah oh yeah and kamara running back you also like to see <laughs> with that in mind with that receiving stat line you also like to see that winston was the only other player to register more than one carry so uh, Kamara's yeah, gonna start. It's certainly, it's certainly Kamara's backfield to play with. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. There's no concerns there. There's uh, no one's gonna interfere on his uh, on his usage. Okay, I have a question for you, as and you are someone that rosters him because he has a projected total this week. But as he of last a, week, he had a projected total last week as of okay. Monday. 
so I have him in my roster currently. We're talking about Michael Thomas. Yeah, I just realized we didn't say it. <laughs> but uh, anything could happen. I'm if if for some reason he's not scheduled to play this week, I'm gonna have to scramble for a replacement. But he has a projection in ESPN. I think that although it said multiple weeks as of last week there's a possibility i mean i don't know why he's getting a projection if he's not expected to play so that's that's pretty much what i have to go off of with that if, if he's active should 100 percent of fantasy managers that have him start him it depends on your roster but yeah. in our format i would prefer to have him than to not yeah. and that's because we you know like i said before we have six potential wide receiver slots yeah uh Somebody has to catch the ball. It can't be Kamara every week. It hasn't been Kamara every week. Yeah. And when the Saints are playing the Bucks, they're going to have to throw the ball. I think that, you know, Kamara is still going to get his usage in the passing game. But if Michael Thomas is there, I mean, I like him to be a good option in that offense against the Bucks. Yeah. And like you said, if the target's got to go somewhere, it's been so weird of Callaway. He's proven to be so unreliable. Second most targets in this game of seven, and yet he did like pretty much nothing with them. Um, I didn't write down exactly what he did, but he had like low single digits. So uh, it's got to go somewhere. Michael Thomas, this was his, you know, as far as receiving work goes, this was his team um, with Kamara getting some of them on top of what he does on the ground. So. Well, yeah, Thomas he is going to single season record for oh, receptions. Yeah, this is yeah, that's that's the player we're talking yeah, about. Guy, yeah, this is the guy we're talking about. So when he gets healthy and he's back, I do expect him to get the bulk of the of the looks in in the passing game. Uh it's just a matter of when he's healthy to do so. Yep. All right, let's move on to Washington versus Denver. Where with Washington, it's kind of a weird bunch. Uh Antonio Gibson hasn't had a double-digit fantasy scoring game without a touchdown since week one, and had 44 less rushing yards than Taylor Heineke. How do you assess Gibson's value? Well, he's been banged up, and, well, I don't know, just, he's an RB2, but he doesn't get a lot of passing game usage. And he definitely is touchdown dependent in terms of having anything remotely close to an RB1 upside. Uh, I'm not panicking on him yet, but I understand if you do. You know, I understand it. Agreed. I agree. It's tough. It's been tough to watch him the past few weeks because he has been disappointing. Uh, Specifically week six and seven where he's been in single digits. Yeah. And then J.D. McKissick, who's worth a roster spot, but he's always a gamble as long as Gibson's healthy. I mean, he had almost identical stat lines on the ground as he did through the air, which amounted to, you know, double digits for him or close to it. I think probably nine-something. Yeah. But, you know. Eight, eight touches for 54 yards. I, I don't think, luckily, you know, ha- half of those, as far as the PPR leagues, are receptions, but you, you don't feel mm-hmm. confident starting him. Uh, as long as Gibson's there. Uh, McLaurin, though, 
Let's be a little bit more positive with this offense. He had a huge bounce back game and led the team in targets with 12. Seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Um, I mean, I don't even think I need to ask. I mean, I think this is just back to what people thought he was, you know, going into the season and pretty much. But he only like a like a two week stretch of bad games, weeks six and seven. And now I think he's back um, to yeah. what people expect from him. Yeah. Very little to say about McLaurin. He's very talented and will continue to be talented as long as uh, Heineke can complete passes to him. Yeah, uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, second most targets. has been a high-floor tight end option in Logan Thomas's absence. Hopefully you listened to us in, I think, our first episode telling you to pick up Seals-Jones because, I mean... Logan Thomas's return will probably hurt Seals Jones's value a lot, but he's been very, very reliable for a tight end in the time that he's been gone. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I think that's really all I have to say. I don't think you drop him until you see what he looks like with Thomas, but I don't expect too much. But I'd say if you have him, you keep him until that happens. Um, we'll move on to the Broncos. Melvin Gordon... Uh, the Broncos only rushed the ball 14 times, but Gordon's receiving touchdown salvaged his day. He had eight carries for 18 yards and only two catches for 14 yards, but he got a touchdown. Uh, Javante Williams had four less carries than Gordon, but four more receptions. Um, the Broncos only scored two touchdowns in week seven, and both of them were receiving touchdowns by each of their running backs. Which running back do you think has more value? Unless you have something else to say real quick. Well, I was just going to say that... uh, Are you convinced, based on these performances, that Javante Williams has emerged as the running back you want in the backfield? Because I don't don't believe that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was going to ask you who you you think you have more value on. We've kind of had that question every single week. I think the answer... I think the answer, if there's any indication of this past game moving forward, which, you know, there's no guarantee, but I think it's Williams who yeah. got more involved in the passing game. I mean, that's that's where most of the value is going to come from this this backfield. Um, if, if one player doesn't break off a huge run, it's going to be passing game usage, and Williams has that edge. Yeah, I agree. And I think barring injuries, you're not going to get one person that just completely, you know, takes over from the other. I just don't think that is going to happen this season. Um, so it's it's an interesting duo to evaluate. Um, we'll move on to pass catchers. Cortland Sutton, uh, out-targeted. He was out-targeted by both Noah Fant and Javante Williams. But he's becoming more consistent. Um, I, I Even though it was an exciting game, I'm glad to see that he's not, you know, <laughs> in his habit of being boom or bust to know in between. This is more of an in-between game. Um, nothing too exciting. But I do want to talk about Jerry Judy, who is set to make his return this week. And I remember that he was drafted pretty much like a low-end wide receiver, too. Um... What do you think he does for both Sutton and Fant's value? Yeah, so uh, Judy was drafted 53rd overall in our draft. Yeah. Um, just for some perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Judy, let's see, what did he do in his first week? He had a decent game. First week, 13.2. So he had, okay, six catches, seven targets, 72 yards. That's pretty similar to how Cortland did in this past game. Yeah. I think that 
I think the player that's going to suffer the most from this change, and we said this before, was Tim Patrick. Yes. Um, but I think next in line is probably Noah Fant. Yeah. And I, I mean, this could hurt, you know, it could hurt Gordon and Williams a bit. I mean, I know that those are different receptions, but, I mean, they're probably picking up the slack a bit. But, yeah, I, I think Judy hurts everyone else a bit, probably Sutton the least, but... Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Just because now Sutton might have, you know, kind of an A.J. Brown effect that Julio has on him. He could have a little bit more room, and that could work also for Judy, because they're pretty they're pretty similar, and you have to worry about both of them. I think, um, as what I know, I know Jerry Judy is a lot more of a uh, talented route runner, and then I think Sutton is like 6'4", so they're, they're kind of different players, which I think allows them to both coexist uh, and do very well at the same time. Um, even though this offense is not anything that you're super excited about. Um, we can move on to the primetime Sunday night football game, which is the Cowboys versus the Vikings. Um, both of these teams were on bye last week. Uh, Dak Prescott, most passing yards this season in his week six performance with 445, um, three touchdowns, one interception. But he reminded everyone that he is a reliable QB1 in fantasy. I think there's really that's really all there is to say with him. Threw the ball 51 times. <laughs> um, Ezekiel Elliott, 17 rushes for 69 yards and 7 receptions for 50 yards. Zeke had the second most targets with 9, while also rushing the ball 17 times. I think he's a must-start running back. Um, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion whatsoever. CeeDee Lamb. Nine receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns. He exploded with 36.1 fantasy points, led the team in targets with 11. And I want to ask you, has Lamb proven himself as having wide receiver one value in fantasy? Uh, not yet. I don't think so. Okay. Um, Do you think... My, my uh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, my reasoning would be that he has... Well, I mean, you got to remember that in the middle of his stretch before the bye, he had a couple clunkers. Yeah. Nine, nine and a half points, 3.3. Now, obviously, he's on a positive trajectory, and those are coming with touchdowns. Minnesota, they're going to be on the road. I expect the Cowboys to have to pass in this game in order to be successful. So there's certainly opportunity for him, and his upcoming schedule doesn't scare you. I mean, Denver after that, then the Falcons, and then the Chiefs. Like, he's going to have a good stretch for opportunity to be proving himself as a wide receiver one. He's position rank 15 at the moment. I think it's certainly possible that he finishes inside the top 10 by yeah. the end of the season, considering all the big names that we mentioned before that are lacking in production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not quite yet, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. I'll read off Amari Cooper's stat line real quick. He had five catches for 50 yard, 55 yards. Um, his most targets since his explosive week one performance. He had eight targets in week six. Um, so I guess, I mean, you kind of ended up saying this without directly talking about Cooper, but do you think Cooper and Lamb's production could meet somewhere in the middle from what it is right now? Somewhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're editing the notes as we go. Yes. Uh, yeah, Amari Cooper, I mean, he's obviously talented, and Dak seems to like him most weeks. 
Uh, I think that it's, you know, there are some mouths to feed in this offense. We didn't talk necessarily about Dalton Schultz yet, but he's been very consistent. There were a few, a few, a couple weeks ago that CD lamb and him had the same amount of fantasy points. Yeah. So yeah, I think that it, it's really week to week who has their day. It's kind of the opposite of the Rams where it's like always Cooper cup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so from that perspective, yeah, I think that there's going to be a little bit more balance between these two. Uh, they're both really talented wide receivers. They have a great quarterback. I- I'm not worried about any of them in this matchup, so it should be good all around. Yeah, um, I will say one last thing on the Cowboys. Michael Gallup uh, is set to return this week. Whose value do you think he hurts the most, or do you think it's a little bit more dispersed than just being concentrated on one player? Yeah, well, we really didn't see much of Michael Gallup before he got hurt. Didn't he Correct. also just have one week? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm going to pull that up real quick. Yeah, one week. I mean, four catches on seven targets for 36 yards. I don't know if you're necessarily scared of that being implemented in the offense. Like, he's still the number three option in terms of wide receivers. Uh, I'm I'm sure that Dalton Schultz has kind of proven his value in the offense. I don't think that his value goes away from Gallup's return. Agreed. Agreed. Um yeah, I mean, just with all the mouths to feed, this team is, like, almost Arizona Cardinals level with, like, all the, all the mouths they have to feed are Buccaneers offensive level. Like, they just, they do have a lot of mouths to feed, but they're all doing um, fairly well. Some more than others, but they're doing very well. Um, we'll move on to the Vikings, who are also on bye, as I've said. Uh, Dalvin Cook. 29 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. Only two catches, but you don't really even care about that with the day he had on the ground. Um, he's returned to his must-start running back status and reminded you why he was drafted. Probably is the second overall pick in most leagues. Um, Justin Jefferson, eight catches, 80 yards, led the team in targets with 14, his third game with double-digit targets, and continuing his streak with at least seven targets in every game this season. And the last player I'll talk about, and I'll ask you a question about him, Adam Thielen, who had 11 catches for 126 yards and a touchdown, had the second most targets, only one less than Jefferson, Thielen had 13. Uh, Keeping in mind that Thielen only had three targets in Week 5, could Thielen be a sell-high candidate, or was his Week 5 performance more of the outlier than this Week 6 one? Uh, well, I'll say this. I think if you wanted to sell high, you probably should have done it uh, immediately after Week 6 Agreed. happened. Agreed. Because, uh, to be honest with you, I completely forgot that he had this great of a game yeah. over the bye. Mm-hmm. So, I think people will, you know, that, that, that hype that will be surrounding his name after that game will have kind of dissipated a little bit. True. Uh, that being said, he did a he did have a game very similar to this week one, so he's certainly capable of it. Uh, he's also had a couple games where he struggled, but I think Adam Thielen is still a top 20 wide receiver. I wouldn't necessarily be looking to trade him. I think mm-hmm. he's good value on your roster as is. Agreed. Um, yeah. I think we'll move on to the last game, Monday Night Football, Giants-Chiefs. And honestly, I don't even have a whole lot to say about the Giants because almost every fantasy-relevant option uh, in this offense is dealing with an injury. Saquon, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. So keep an eye on all of them because all of them have 
you know, I mean, it, it differing value, but all of them have value if they're active, and yet they still dominated the Panthers, even with all these injuries? How did that happen? Do you have any idea? Can you bring any sort of reason to that? Well, to, to, quote, to quote the Panthers head coach, they benched Sam Darnold because they were, quote, looking for a spark. So uh, that team is just devoid of, like, anything positive right now. Anything and named until, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> right. Until Christian McCaffrey returns, I think that team is probably going to be on a downward spiral, uh, especially with how Darnold has been playing. That being said, I, I can't imagine the Chiefs losing this game. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like you're hitting the panic button on the Chiefs if they lose this game. If the Chiefs lose this game, it's full-on panic. Yeah. Because this is the New York Giants we're talking about. This yeah. is not... And this game will be yeah. in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, like that. all of those aspects coming together... I don't see a possible uh, a possible outcome where the Chiefs don't walk away with the win. Uh, it's got to be an opportunity for them to bounce back. We can talk about Devontae Booker briefly. Um, yeah. He's, you know, still a good fill-in uh, for those that roster Saquon or otherwise, but um, uh, he's probably going to have to catch more than two balls yeah. in this game in order to have a a good outing against the Chiefs, I, I would imagine. Agreed. I completely agree. We can move on to the Chiefs, because I agree with that. Um, <sighs> I think I was just going to ask you what's going on with them, but we can just go straight into the players. Uh, Mahomes was forced out with injury. I think he should be good for this week, he luckily. Is, yeah. he, he cleared the concussion yeah. protocol during the game, but Andy Reid chose to keep him out just yeah. for precaution. That's probably smart. Um even though they got completely smacked, it's not like he was going to do anything with probably the time left. Um, <sighs> Mahomes is tied with Zach Wilson with the most interceptions thrown this season. Are you panicking on Mahomes? Hey, that's that's good company for Zach Wilson. It's yeah. an unfortunate stat. Um, am I panicking on Mahomes? I think that, I mean, this season has just been a weird disappointment for Chiefs fans and I don't know what to tell you I mean the talent is still most of the talent is still on the team yeah and Mahomes is still a very special player I oh, yeah. it's, it's their defense more than anything that's yeah that's it's true and we can't we can't even point fingers at that defense because we're only talking about from a fantasy perspective but I completely agree yeah it, it it's they are constantly in a scenario where they're playing from behind which you would think would help uh the pass catchers scenario and it really hasn't equated to that in fantasy but i mean I, i'm not worried about tyree kill i'm not worried about kelsey i'm not worried about Mahomes. but you're just you're not getting the value that you expected from where you drafted them that's the reality yeah, um, I do have a lot of questions for this team. It's the last team, but I'll, I'll go through it quickly. Darrell Williams, five carries, 20 yards. Three receptions, 30 yards. The Chiefs only rushed the ball 13 times this week. That's because they were getting crushed. They were getting blown out. There's yes. no time to run the ball when you're getting yes. blown out. Don't Makes worry sense. about Darrell Williams. Okay, so he'll be fine for this last week he has guaranteed without CEH. I would imagine that he gets in the end zone uh somehow this week 
Yeah, and I think the fact I'm not here... gonna guarantee it, like Colin, <laughs> but I, I feel I feel it's much a, better about Williams this weekend. It's a different type Godwin. of speculation <laughs> that yeah, he had with Godwin. I like it. Um, Tyreek Hill, mediocre day for his standards. Um, you've already said you're not worried about these, you know, usual must starts in the offense. So we'll no, just they, they chalk it up to this high, game. They have such a high ceiling, and. Uh, typically a high floor. I'm not worried about them. They're, they're they're immensely talented. They're usually in. I mean, for Kelsey, he's the undisputed number one tight end. Oh yeah. And for Tyreek Hill, he was drafted at wide receiver two. Typically. Yeah. Like the second wide receiver taken off the boards behind um, Adams. Yeah. So yeah, no. These these guys are talented. They've proven themselves. It's just a it's just a rough start to the Chiefs' offense this year. Their defense is making it difficult for them to win any games. So just they'll get it right. Just just trust the process. Yeah, I think that sums it all up, and I think that's enough said with, you know, the Chiefs and I guess everything in this video. So any any final thoughts? Uh, come back, Russell Wilson. We miss you. Yes, as a as you being someone that has Ty Lockett, I can completely understand that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how many recurring viewers we have, but uh, sorry that we didn't post last Saturday. Uh, we'll probably plan on doing it this week. We shall see. Um, but yeah, thank you all for watching or listening rather. Um, that's really all I got. So uh, yeah, until yep, we'll see you guys soon. Until next time. Peace out. Bye-bye.